Welcome to the Friends of Folklore, where two sisters tell tales from the briny depths of the ocean, the darkest caves hidden in misty mountains, and even mysteries hiding in your own backyard. Fear not, dear audience. Come inside, bundle up with a blanket, a cup of tea, and your favorite fuzzy animal, and you too can become a friend of folklore. My phone's not on silent. Now it is. Oh, no. Anyway, hi. <laughs> hi. Welcome to the Friends of Folklore. Um, I'm the taking this fucking folklore. show on the road. I'm Abby, the smallest of the sisters. Oh, shit. I'm Sydney, the tallest of the sisters. Abby is taking over this Spooky Tuesday, friends. I absolutely am taking over this Spooky Tuesday. Like, this Spooky Tuesday is all mine. Like, low-key, not low-key. I'm doing pretty much... I'm, I think I'm doing it all today. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just as long as this ad goes away. And then... So, I until... Click. Yes. Hello. Until you give me... Until you give me actual spooky sound effects. Like, I need thunder and lightning. I need, like, a... Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> at the beginning of these. And until you give them to me, I will keep making them for us. I kind of prefer you making them, but it's just because I, like, I am the one editing the podcast, dear audience, and while I've taught myself pretty much everything that you unfortunately hear here, like, I don't know how to add in sound effects. Like, I don't know. Oh, if, I do. Okay, well, then maybe On we Anchor. should chat. Um, oh, and we you never just, do that. Yeah, we don't ever talk. Um, we're <laughs> we not friends. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. It is true. I am taking over this week. I am just going to, yep, all good there. So, yeah, this week I... Well, wait, 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 what? wait, yeah. wait, wait. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm good. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> we usually have like a conversation. We don't usually just dive right in. I know. I'm sorry. I did get excited. No, I'm good. It's, it's hot as hell here. We've had a lot of heat waves. Here too. And Con Edison, which is like the the company that you know does electricity or whatever, they're oh, like, like, "Hey, the PNM of New York City." Yes, they're like, "Hey, don't use your air conditioner; it's hot." And we're like, "Hey, have better generators using my air conditioner." Um, but it that's it's like just, <laughs> it's like ten years ago, and PNM was like, "We are out of gas. Stop using your heater." And I'm like, "It's below thirty. I'm using the fucking like, heater." <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like sounds Be like a giant you problem. <laughs> um, but I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got a new book. Lovely. Um, yes. So I'm excited about that. And and I'm really excited to hear about about what we're talking about. I was about to like say your topic. What are we talking about? You were like, oh wait, um. <laughs> so um, this week we're gonna talk to talk about something that for the first time in forever, I have been in proximity to. <sighs> so this week I will be covering the Eastern State Penitentiary. Ooh, how are you in proximity to that? Um. So I'll. <laughs> When I went to, um, my, my boyfriend lives in Phil or is from Philadelphia and we were visiting his family and he is such an angel. He took me all around Philadelphia one day and we were just kind of talking about what we could pass by. And he was like, oh yeah, there's Eastern State Penitentiary. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? 
Um, what? <laughs> come again? So he drove me by it. Unfortunately, this was already in like COVID times. So I wasn't able to go inside, but I have, I did send Sydney a video of me driving around it. And then if you listen. Yeah, I didn't get it. I mean, I got the video, but I didn't understand. And I was just what like. What the hell you were you looking at? Pictures, you had sent me pictures of the, the building where Nick Cage discovers Benjamin Franklin's glasses that allows yeah, him to City read Hall. the secret mm-hmm. message on the back of, yeah, the Declaration of Independence. Um, you sent me a couple of things like that, and I was just like, where is that in National Treasure? <laughs> yeah, she was like, what part of National Treasure is this? It's not. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's located in the, um, the beautiful city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and it operated between 1829 and um, 1971. So this okay. bad boy has been around for a long time. Um, right off the bat, I found a really cool fact about Eastern State, which is, that it's the first penitentiary. So it's like considered mm-hmm. to be the world's first true penitentiary. And its design has been copied by over 300 prisons worldwide. Yeah, I was going to say, it definitely looks very prison, prison-shaped. prison mm-hmm. And I mean, that first picture, that's an exterior picture. And that's pretty much all I sent you, is us driving by that. Um, yeah. But if you... I think you meant the whole document. I was like, there are like six pages. No. <laughs> No, that first photo. So um, when I say first true penitentiary, that means that this prison operated on something known as the separate system or also known as the Pennsylvania system. The separate system is a form of prison management that bases its operations on the principle of keeping all prisoners locked in solitary confinement. Yeah, this method was used to keep prisoners obviously away from one another as well as separated from the guards. So the prisoners were more or less forced to deal with and process like the crimes that they committed. Um, This Uh method was primarily used uh, as a way to like reform them. They figured there was like, okay, if you deal with your crimes inside like your own head, basically, you'll become a better person. So it was like, sit in the corner and think about what you've done amped up to like 11. Exactly. Exactly. So even though the system was set up on this idea of solitary confinement, the pre- the prisoners were actually checked on quite regularly. Apparently the warden mm-hmm. was legally required to visit all inmates once a day. And then there were people working at the penitentiary called overseers and their jobs are aptly named because their purpose was to check mm-hmm. on the inmates three times a day. Um, so the first thing that we should touch on is how these cells are constructed because it's fucked. Okay. So the entire <laughs> penitentiary is constructed. I like how I'm like, it's fucked. And you're like, Oh, you, you silly goose. <laughs> no, sorry, um, just the way you said it, I was just like, <laughs> Oh, see, sisters. Am I right? Um, <laughs> classic abs, classic Abby. So basically, the, um, and you can scroll down to your second photo. So the entire penitentiary is, construct- is constructed similar to the shape of a windmill. That's where the small oh, central yeah. corridor that leads to six different hallways. And these hallways are known as act- access corridors or cell blocks. And along, right. and so each cell block is numbered. And then inside the cell access corridors are cells. And they are small and constructed in a way that quote unquote resembles the feel of the church. So everything has rounded ceilings. Um... And you don't really see it more in the cells themselves than in the actual construction of the, like, out in the cell blocks. There's, um, well, that doesn't make sense. If they're, if they're supposed to stay in their cells for all eternity and you're trying to make it churchly, like, making the hallway churchly is not really, like... 
Oh, it's even worse. And we'll <clears> get to why. Him? Like, no, no, it makes well, and that was the thing is that they wanted to to feel close to God. But there's ah, there's yes. some issues with that. Each cell is made of you concrete. Don't say. <laughs> there's some issues. So each cell is made of concrete with one door facing towards that access corridor. There was a metal door on the inside and then a wooden door, like a little bit of a space and then a wooden door. And this was kept so the prisoners couldn't see each other and to keep them quiet. So basically you couldn't see anything. Um, each cell had a single glass skylight situated on the roof, and this was used to represent the eye of God, which suggested that God was always watching them. Within the cell, there is a faucet with running water, which was placed over the toilet. I'm not quite sure how to describe this, but it's like a part mm-hmm. of the toilet. It's like a sink and then the toilet. Mm-hmm. It's just um, the same water line. Mm-hmm. Um, these were flushed by guards remotely twice a week. So just sit with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What does that mean? So the guards flushed. So their toilets just sat there and they were flushed remotely twice a week. So everything like would just... Bluetooth? How? I honestly don't know. <laughs> with Bluetooth? Okay. Yeah, Bluetooth. <laughs> I don't know just how the piping system works. I have no idea. Gross. Um, so you'd be sitting with like a stanky toilet. Like... <laughs> to, yeah. For, mm-hmm. Ooh. So then against the back of their cells are these access yards. So you can see that if you take a look at the map... Did you take a look at the map? I'm looking at the map. So the thing's in orange. So as you can see, it's kind of like hallway, cells, and then these exercise yards. Oh, so everyone got their own little, like, courtyard. Yes, exactly. Well, that's um, kind of nice. It was, but the way that they synced it is that no two prisoners that were next door to each other could work out at the same time. And they kind of layered it to avoid people speaking with one another. That didn't work. But um, that was their idea. The prisoners were allowed to garden and even keep pets in the yards. I have no idea what kind. And it's concerning. Um, <laughs> Rats. <laughs> if an inmate ever needed to leave their cell, they would be transported with a bag over their head. So no prisoners could recognize one another or be able to learn the layout of the prison to avoid escape attempts and keep the prisoners scared in their surroundings. So like a fear tactic. Um, and if that's just not the worst, another reason why it doesn't matter if it looks like a church, if you're not allowed to see it. Anyway. Yeah. Like <laughs> you got a bag. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows, but trust us. Trust me. It looks like a church. Believe me. You can't tell. You and your rat can't see it, but trust me. Trust me. So now if that isn't just the worst thing you've ever heard, I want to explain some of the punishments that the prisoners were forced to endure if they broke any rules or kind of got out of line. Mm-hmm. So the first one is known as the water bath. So inmates who broke rules risked being dunked in a bath of ice cold water and then hung from a wall for the night. During the winter months, when this punishment was most popular, the water on the inmates' skin would form a layer of ice before morning and would normally kill them. And they'd freeze to the wall. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. And it would, like, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It only gets worse. I... I'm sure. I'm sorry, before before we continue to the horrible stuff, I just have to say that I'm looking at this windmill prison, and I think the thing that pisses me the fuck off, like, not more than those horrible atrocities that we're going to discuss. I know exactly what you're going to say. They're so ununiform. They're uneven. Well, that's because they they're weren't uneven. all built at the same time. So- I don't care. It's called a plan. Get an architect. <laughs> well, they... Most like, of this the additions... guy's got a puny-ass backyard. This, these two guys don't have a backyard at all. And he doesn't even know. They don't even know they're being shorted on their backyard because they can't tell anyone else has backyard. 
Exactly. No, but there were several additions made to the prison due to over um, capacity situations, which I'll get mm. into. But yeah, that's why none of them match. Can't wait. Oh, God. Okay, carry on. So the second punishment is the mad chair. This was named as such because it was not uncommon for an inmate to go mad before the punishment ended. So inmates would be strapped to a chair with leather strips, and they were tied so tightly that it was impossible for them to move even in the smallest amount. They would sit there for days without food until the circulation in their body basically got cut off from the tightness. No, um, no, no. It no. wasn't uncommon that this caused permanent damage to inmates' limbs, and even some had to be surgically removed, because by the time oh that they God. were we undone, any, yeah, the bo- that body part had died. Left. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that is so fucked up. <laughs> Ready what for the, the next fuck, one? Abby? No. <laughs> Spooky what are you Tuesday. Doing? <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> spooky Tuesday. Let's all have shared trauma. That's spooky. Isn't it? <laughs> um, the it's most okay, dead. My, my next episode is pretty bad. <laughs> I can't wait. So yeah. the most deadly punishment was known as the iron gag, and specifically, this was designed for inmates who refused to not communicate. So this was ones that were like would whisper and talk to one another. Sydney's covering her mouth, and rightfully so. An iron collar was clamped onto the tongue of the inmate and then chained to their wrists, which were strapped high behind their back. So anytime that they moved their arms, it would result in the tearing of the tongue and severe bleeding. (gasps) Several (gasps) inmates died strictly from bleeding out from this. Why? Why is this okay? Who is in charge? Can't wait to hear the next one. Well, the next one, I'm not going to tell you the last one just yet because there's, I weave it into the story. So you're going to, you know, weave it in. I'm going to weave it in. So it should be noted that the practice of solitary confinement ended in 1913. And this wasn't because the warden or the people running it had like a change of heart. Um, It's because they had too many people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not going to last. In 1924, they built a mess hall so the prisoners were able to eat with one another for the first time. And by 1926, they had built additional cell blocks to accommodate the change from 250 inmates to 1,700 inmates. Good God! Um, and before we get onto the spot topic of the spooky boys, I think you'll be interested to know about a few people who stayed at Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, tell me. So, the first, and in my opinion, best inmate on the record is none other than Pep, the cat-murdering dog. Prison records reflect... I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, take your time. <laughs> Say that one more time. His name is Pep, the cat-murdering dog. Is he actually a dog? Prison records reflect that Pep was an actual dog that served a life sentence at Eastern State Penitentiary for murdering the governor's wife's cat. His inmate number was C2559, and he even has his own mugshot, so if you scroll down, you can take a gander. <laughs> Where? This is, oh, it, this oh is I skipped hallway. one photo. Oh, that's a hallway. Congratulations. <gasps> okay, he looks so fucking proud of himself. <laughs> He's so, like, fuck yeah, I did. Have people really had fuck all to do. Well, the here's past. the thing. <laughs> this is a rumor. He didn't he did not commit any crimes. The only crime he was the governor's dog, however, the only crime that he committed was chewing on furniture. And the governor thought that therapy dogs would improve morale among prisoners. So he is a part of the system and they probably brought him in. They're like, oh my God, let's mugshot the dog. This probably all happened. But he's not a criminal. He's just... Well, and, and you know, they had to be like, no, no, he's one of you. He's also a criminal. He's also a criminal. He's on the inside. (laughs) Um... 
Uh, another so you fit in. I get it. No, I get yeah, it. definitely. You know, you don't want to go in there without any street cred. That's just asking to be murdered yeah. or beat up. Well, there's not a prison yard to be beat up in, but you know what I mean. Um, another notorious criminal is Al Capone, who I'm sure I you about are that one. familiar. He served in the prison for one year, and I was doing my research, and I was like, holy shit, this is where they stayed. This must have been where they tried to charge him with the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, like, which I would love to cover sometime, completely unrelated. But I was like, this must be These are, Abby, those are not folklore topics. I don't You're killing care. me. You're killing me. <laughs> Abby's like, murder mystery! And I'm like, this is not a true crime podcast. It is now. Anyway. Okay. Um. So, like... I was wondering what kind of crazy-ass story landed Al Capone in Eastern State Penitentiary. So he was arrested um, on May 17th, 1929 for carrying a concealed weapon in a movie theater. After this year, he was released and then placed on the non-official most wanted list in Chicago for all of his crimes there. Um, Nice. I did include a photo of where he lived, and I think it's the next one. Yep, it is. Yeah. Safe to say oh, that he nice. was li- fancy living. Got that, that big ass radio in the back. Mm-hmm. He had um he had a, he had a radio. He had several paintings and a desk. So he doesn't have a backyard, it looks like. No, by the time that he stayed there, that was my understanding is that whatever connection they had to those yards was gone. Because everyone that I'm talking about who stayed there had no access. And when I watched and we'll get into a video that I watched of people inside the penitentiary it's walled in. So I don't know when they had access to these backyards, but my understanding is they do not anymore. And neither okay, did Al Capone. But it's safe to say he was doing just fine. So Yeah, he looks like he was living large. So Fly. another famous inmate of the Eastern State Penitentiary is <clears throat> Willie Sutton. Willie Sutton is also known as Willie the Actor or Slick Willie and was a bank robber who over 40 years just robbed a shit ton of banks. Um, okay. He was caught in 1930. I think I've heard of him. Oh, yeah. He was caught in 1934, and during that time, it is estimated that he stole around $2 million. Uh, But according to Willie, he only stole from the rich, and he would never carry a loaded gun during his robberies because he didn't want to fright women and babies. Like, how generous. Robin Hood (laughs) piece of shit. So, anyway. (laughs) Such, like, a. I hate that garbage. Like, I didn't want to scare the women folk. Yes. So, according to my research, Sutton spent more than half of his life in prison and managed to escape several different prisons about three times. However, one of the last times that he was arrested, it landed him in Eastern State Penitentiary. He was sentenced to 25 to 50 years for the attempted robbery of the Corn Exchange Bank and Trust Company in Philly. I'm sorry. One more time. Corn Exchange Bank and Trust Company in Philly. That's the whole name. So, yep, Corn Exchange. In Philly is part of the name? No, just okay. Corn Exchange like, Bank right, and Trust Company. Exchange. You know, bank names fascinate me. Like, don't you guys have First Third Bank? Oh fuck if I know. How do you? Who names a bank First Third? Why not like, just say Thirteenth? Or yeah, but also like my thing is, is that that sounds like it was named by somebody who's bad at counting. <laughs> and I trust banks to be one of the few who are good at counting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Like, look, I, I trust That's them to do I'm very saying. little else. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And also hide, you All know, right. keys to dragons. Anyway, not the point. Not well, Did they hide so, the dragon? Was the dragon inside Gringotts? The dragon was inside Gringotts, like, way down in the vault. But I don't think he That's had That's all I expect. I he was, just... was he just yeah, mad? He was just mad chilling? I... He had a so. chain. Yeah. I don't know. Is he even in the book? Yes? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. 
Anyway, anyway, the corn exchange. Corn exchange. So the reason why I mention Willie is because on April 3rd, 1945, a major escape was carried out by 12 inmates, which Sutton was one of. Um, Willie Sutton. Over a course of a year, the inmates managed to dig a tunnel underneath the prison wall. This tunnel was 97 feet long, and the way that this was accomplished was that men would work in teams of two for 30-minute shifts using spoons and shovel and flattened cans as shovels and picks. Hmm. They slowly dug a 31-inch opening in the wall of cell 68, and then dug 12 feet straight down and into the ground, and another 90 feet out beyond the wall of the prison. Apparently, this t- tunnel was like a work of excellent craftsmanship it had scaffolding and like it was properly ventilated had lighting like this thing was nice the reason that no one found the entrance is because of clarence clinny clindenst 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 who was a stonemason it sure is (laughs) he was a stonemason a plasterer and of course a burglar and i'm not sure why this was important but one article from Smithsonian Magazine said that Kleine looked like a young Frank Sinatra. <laughs> so, so what he's saying is he's hot. He's hot. <laughs> he's a little yeah, personal burglar, stuff going on there. He's a looker. <laughs> so I feel Kleine... like there's like an era, sorry, I feel like there's like an era of time where like, you know, like this like outlaw idea, right? Like he's got to be cute. You know, mm-hmm. no, he has like to be almost cute. like a romanticization of like Bonnie and Clyde. And oh, a hundred and ten percent. You know, Robin Hood, all of that. Where it's like, oh, but he's so hot. But he's so hot. Well, I'm glad he was a sexy burglar. He was very sexy <laughs> and stonemason and plasterer. Don't forget. So he's so, got like a solid career. I get exactly. It. So what Kleine did is he created a flake, a fake flake, a fake plaster wall that was a perfect match to the wall surrounding it. So whenever the guards would enter his cell. No one could tell the difference. Um, However, freedom was short-lived, and within a few months of the famous escape, all 12 were captured and returned back to the prison. So. (laughs) Okay. Um, Fun fact, when archaeologists were examining um, Eastern State Penitentiary, they found an additional 30 tunnels that were unfinished underneath the penitentiary, so who knows who else tried to escape. Cool. So, like, like hand-done tunnels like that? All over. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's cool. I don't know why that makes me... I really like that. Me too. I just love that where it's like, ooh, who... Tell me this. Who else? So, however, the recapturing of these inmates leads me to talk about the last part of the Eastern State Penitentiary punishments. That is just... Awful. So, Sutton and others who were recaptured were placed in illegally specially made cells known as Klondikes or just simply the holes. They are described as tiny, miserable holes that aren't tall enough to stand up in and aren't fully wide enough to lay down in there was no light little air and those thrown in its torturous grip would receive water and a slice of bread they would only be able to consume those if they got to it before the rats and the roaches did um these holes were built secretly by the guards and were used as an extra form of torturing the inmates so this was completely illegal they call this cell block 13 it's underneath cell block 14 and you had to go through like machinery I watched somebody go through it and they have to like, you have to go through a bunch of pipes and you have to like go down a very scary tunnel to get down to these cell blocks. Also, this is the perfect time that someone outside has decided that construction is among us and I hate them. I I can't hear anything. Fabulous. So now (laughs) I think it's time to get spooky, 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 spooky. And now that we've scarred you all for life, let's get spooky. Um, Eastern State has tales of ghosts and strange occurrences dating all the way back to 1940, which is well before the place was abandoned. Sure. 
However, according to tour guide Ben Bookman, he says, quote, it's a lot harder to find a believer than it is to find a skeptic here. We at Eastern State do not claim that the prison is haunted. We run a haunted attraction. Bookman also says that the staff does not like to exploit the prison's darker image. Quote, most people making TV shows come on looking for ghosts. That's not the story we tell. Inmates were real people. They were people's, these were people's lives. 70,000 people spent their time here. We're not going to glorify it and we're not going to make fun of it. So there is a chance that everything that we're going to be hearing from now on is fake and people, you know, who come to look for stories will always find them. Definitely. You know, a little bit like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but... Well, that's, and that's really, like, historically, that's a thing. <laughs> if you want to see... Some, like, I mean, last week's episode with the Cottingley Fairies, Arthur Conan Doyle was so fucking hellbent, so of course he found what he wanted to find. That is a human nature thing. thing. So... You know, it may be maybe nothing, but to me, there's just something a little bit deeper in these experiences. So, yeah. um, our ghost tale um, begins with one of our famous prisoners who felt the fear of ghosts during his sentence. And even though Al Capone had everything he could possibly want within his cell, he didn't have peace of mind. Um, one evening, he told that the guard, "That was a good line. Was that well, yours? Thank you. I think so. <laughs> cool. It should be." Um. One evening, he told guard that the ghost of one of the men murdered at St. Valentine's Day Massacre was haunting him. Even though he didn't pull the trigger, it is well known and established that Capone did order the slaughter. And whether guilt or ghosts, Capone was haunted by this for the rest of his life. So he was like... That was a good line, too. <laughs> but he, you. Thank you. But he would scream. He was like, Jimmy, yeah. stop. Jimmy, get out. I think his name is Jimmy. He's like, Jimmy, get out Yeah, of I here. remember that. <gasps> well, dude, so, don't murder people then. On today's episode of, you know, don't dish out what you can't take. Anyway. Yeah. Um, one of the more famous tales from the penitentiary comes from a man named Gary Johnson who worked at the prison in the early 1990s to help maintain crumbling parts of the prison. He would re reattach locks and he would change them out. The story goes that he had unlocked the entrance to cell block four when he felt a force that gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. Some believe that when he removed the key, it opened a sort of gateway to the horrific past and offered spirits caught behind its bars, like an exit, basically. Um, right. Not that they could go through bars, but whatever. It's a metaphor. Um, it's a metaphor. <laughs> he described Sorry, the neck. I'm going to make some noise. I have to tuck my other leg to safety because I'm afeard. Carry on. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> he described a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell. He said tormented faces appeared on the cell walls and that one form in particular beckoned to him. Johnson said that he felt a cold hand reach into his body and was certain it was going to kill him. Um, cell block four is also known for having visions of a ghostly face that appear out of the corner of people's eyes. Many have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard walking around this area. He is normally accompanied by his footsteps. And loud wailings will occur after he's disappeared. Oh my god! <laughs> I do like it. You're so cute. I'm like looking, so we're, we're FaceTiming right now, listeners, and I'm like looking in my own camera, like feedback <laughs> loop to make sure that the ghost of Jimmy isn't like What's standing up? over me. Honestly. <laughs> so visitors have also reported seeing the ghost man named Joseph Taylor. Taylor was an inmate who bludgeoned one of the guards to death in 1884. According to reports, he calmly, after he bludgeoned him to death, he just went back to his cell and went to sleep. 
His ghost is seen around the cell he was placed in, and he is also seen walking calmly along the main corridor before disappearing. I love how it's the ghost of the guy who did the murder and not the <laughs> ghost of the victim. <laughs> it's like, Honestly, he's like, it was such a cool murder. I just had to stick around. Um, <laughs> murder is not cool, listeners. It's not cool. Don't, Don't do listen it. to Abby. Don't do it. So, Cell Block 12 was investigated by ghost hunters, and it is known that during their investigation, they claim to have seen, like, a dark shadow figure that ran, like, above them through Cell Block 12. And this is also one of, um, and in, within Cell Block 12, it is reported that prisoners at one point set fire to their cells Mm -hmm. in a form Mm -hmm. of protest. So that might also account for the running as people running away from the riots, running to that sort of idea. Sure, sure. Um, people have also heard echoing voices as well as cackles that sound like they're right behind you. Now, what I, I want to talk that. about. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Keep now, that shit to yourself. Honestly. Now, the next story that consent. I want to. <laughs> you okay, homie? I'm fine. I'm, I got goose pimples. You got the goosebumps? It's okay. Yeah. You're not there. <laughs> you live in New Mexico. Okay. You're far I'm away. Okay. They're not going to come get you. They so, might. The Loch Ness Monster was already here. I know. Ahead, so the next one that I want to talk about is actually the investigation done by BuzzFeed Unsolved. The um, cool boys. Is that what I they're called? Them. Well, see, that's the that's thing. That's what they that call I, themselves. That's so fucking cute. <laughs> well, that was the thing is that... I wanted to, like, kind of tell the story of one of these investigations, but I couldn't find the Ghost Adventures episode. I couldn't find the Ghost Hunters episode. So I was like, what can I pull from? What's some, like, updated current life experiences? Because, you know, this is such an old penitentiary. And so when I found them, um, I've never watched their episodes before. um, They're really solid, but... Definitely will. Hmm. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm the worst ever. Um, did you notice, like, the background music is super creepy and it makes everything, like, seven times creepier? I mean, I noticed some background music, like, when they would transition between them and, like, their cute little slideshow. Um, but... <laughs> That's one of the early ones, that there's a cute little slideshow. <laughs> it's so precious. Sorry, um, carry on. No, it's fine. I'm just gonna spend my entire evening watching these because they're so adorable. Um, so mm-hmm. their names are Ryan and Shane. I have that correct, right? Okay, great. Yep. Uh, Ryan Bergara and Shane Madej. Okay. Shane's the tall one. Shane is the tall one. He is the non-believer. He's the non-believer. So Ryan locked Shane in a cell for about two minutes um, for solitary confinement after they arrived. Uh-huh. And Ryan is kind of just like sitting outside the cell waiting for Shane to come back out. And he hears footsteps. And you can hear the footsteps audibly. And he turns and he goes, is someone here? And they're in cell block one at this point. So when they enter, they start with the number one and they go down. Um, Shane then like leaves his solitary confinement. He's like, what's up, buddy? And then they keep walking down the corridor to look for the source of the footsteps. And they hear several tapping noises. As the pair reached the end of the corridor, they heard a bang. And Ryan asked, is that you? Nothing responded. And the pair began to walk down the opposite side of the corridor. So like they had reached the end. And that's when footsteps were heard, like, running behind them. And you can hear it audibly, like, on the audio. And they both jump, and Ryan says, this thing is fucking with us. And then they leave cell block one, and I can't blame them. 
The pair also uh-huh. investigated cell block eight in cell 49. And this was a story I didn't know, so I was super excited about it. This is the cell where inmate Joseph Havel stabbed his cellmate George Cope to death by using a pair of scissors. Nice. Um, and they decided for the first time that they were like, hey, we bought a spirit box. Let's use it. And I was like, hey, don't. I um, <sighs> I hate the spirit box. It's so crazy. I hate that. And for those of you that don't know, a spirit box is a device that quickly runs through um, FM transmissions at like an insanely quick speed. And so if you hear a word that's, you know, longer than like, I think it's like one fifteenth of a second. It's quote, it's supposedly a ghost trying to communicate with you um, as they're running through and like it makes a terrible loud white noise frequency. While using the spirit box, they were able to catch something say, oh boy, get out. Um, Shane was a giant skeptic the whole time, but the pair also heard the words, are we done? And the word George and George is the guy who died. So after that, you they just bounced. getting stabbed with a pair of scissors and you're like, are we done? Are we done? Or, oh boy. Are we done? Get out. You done stabbing me? <laughs> are we done? So then the pair investigated cell block 15 and I was so excited because I knew that cell block 15 was essentially death row. Like the bad of the bad boys were forced to live down in cell block 15, but I wasn't able mm. to find like any spook. So I low-key like <sighs> lost my shit. Um, so they, the pair's audio equipment picks up a scream as they're walking down, like they're near the end of the corridor and near the entrance, they hear a scream. Um, but they kind of like turn and look and they don't see anything in the direction. So they continue down their path. And as they enter one of the cells, like Shane steps in after Ryan Mm -hmm. and they hear a whimper and it's picked up on the audio equipment and it's just like this short sad little whimper but it's not like shivers down my spine because they're not talking he just like takes a step and it's like, mm. and I, was like I know like you were um, scared somebody walked in oh i've seen this episode and i'm like having flashbacks but there is um a part where they take the spirit box and they go into al capone's cell and um ryan says do you know my name and it says, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't include this. And he goes, do you know what the color of my coat is? And it says brown and white. I know, I died. I freaked out so bad. That's so spooky. Okay. To this day, um, not during COVID, obviously, but Eastern State Penitentiary <laughs> is open to the public and they do their famous Terror Behind the Walls tour, which includes the following. The chance to explore the penitentiary at night with the moon shining through the skylights above. History exhibits like Al Capone's cell and death row, as well as experiences not available on the daytime tour, whatever that means. The Voices of Eastern State, which is an audio tour narrated by actor Steve Buscemi. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like the exact kind of shit he'd be into. Um. (laughs) Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is Steve Buscemi the guy in Mr. Deeds? Crazy eyes, yeah. 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 <laughs> Time fixes all things, except for these crazy eyes. <laughs> yes, that is Steve Buscemi. <laughs> okay, cool, um, cool. <laughs> It includes their award-winning exhibits on the root causes of mass inca- incarceration, animated mm-hmm. films by the incarcerated artists, whatever that means, projected so, on tour, like drawings and things that they like did. arts and crafts projects from the prisoners i guess 
when they were okay. allowed, and a selection Yikes. of our site-specific art installations. So I looked at a few of them, and like artists have come in later to like pretty much broken rubble areas and like put in art installations. Like at the end of one of the corridors, there's just like a bunch of red pipes, and it's like modern art. And you're like, sure, that means something, right? And mm-hmm. um, that is the story of Eastern State Penitentiary. It's a metaphor. Okay, so what's this last picture then? I'm good. I'm cool. Oh, did I just ignore? Oh, sorry. That's the hole that the dug. Oh, that's the hole. How did I keep it's right by the, the door? Ballsy as fuck. I know. I'm like, like you came in, just like chipping away, and the guards like, "What's that sound?" You're like, "We're playing hopscotch." Yeah, nothing. Don't worry We're about just it. Whistling. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. so spooky. Good, good job. Okay, spooky Tuesday indeed. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for our listener story? Yes. So I knew that I was gonna um, chat my fucking face off. So we just have one story for you today. <laughs> um. Yes. So whenever are you ready? I'm taking over this whole episode. It's all about Abby. Congratulations. Um. I'm ready. But in, I'm ready in rebuttal, go. we're gonna have two Sydney back to backs. So this one can be all about Abby. Anyway, um, so this email is from Caitlin, and this is a Caitlin we know and love and helped Sydney move one time, and she is an angel and must be she protected had, at I all had, costs. I had never met her before, and she was, yeah, she was like the very new girlfriend of Ian's friend, Kirk, who I, actually, I think I mentioned them last episode. Hi, guys. Again, love hey you. Hey, guys. What's up, squad? So much. Let's play D&D soon. She, I'd never met her before in my life, and she just came over, and she was such a champ, and she, like, moved all my stuff, mm-hmm. and she's the bomb. No. Nope. And she has many spooky stories, so. Bomb. Hopefully this is the first of many. Hopefully. Hi, I want to say sorry in advance. I'm not good at writing, and I'm also bad at emails, but here's my story of Elephant Butte Inn. Possibly the summer of 2010. My dad took me, my sister, and our two friends down to the lake for the weekend. Usually we'd stay in our camper, but when we got to the storage place, our truck's transmission totally gave out. We got stuck at the storage place for a couple of hours while we waited for our mom to come come down to give us a ride. The owner of the storage place let us stay in her trailer while we waited, and she told my dad about a boat accident that happened the day before and the bodies weren't recovered yet. Mm. So needless to say, this weekend was already cursed. Now, boating accidents are not uncommon at this lake, neither are deaths or drownings. There was also a silly serial killer named Toy Box Killer who was suspected to have dumped bodies of 40 victims into the lake. Is this not the lake by the house? It's not by where we I live. I mean, by the house in the same state? Oh, good. Yeah, it's been New Mexico. Elephant Butte is like a couple hours from where we live. Or I live. You don't live here. So it's... Sorry, there, is also, there was also a serial killer named the Toy Box Killer who is suspected to have dumped the bodies of 40 victims into the lake, although it has never been proven. Um, also, there's a side note that there are child-sized catfish in the lake. WTF. I agree. WTF. <laughs> Cut to my mom finally coming to the rescue. It was late enough that my dad decided to, ha- decided to have us stay the night at the Elephant Butte Inn. We got two rooms, one for me and my sister and our friends, and one for my parents right next to us. Then later on in the night, we decided to play hide-and-seek in the dark, because why not? It was all fun and games until we started seeing a blue light randomly appear by the floor. It was one of those things where at first it's like, sure, whatever, it's just a light. <laughs> but then it kept appearing the more we played, and it appeared in different spots. We stopped playing and we just sat for the light, watching for the light in the pitch-black room. 
It wouldn't show itself again, so we tried to debunk it. I looked for any source possible, all any random holes in the curtains, any devices on the wall. The only thing producing light was in the bathroom, and it was a steady red light. Thinking about it now and seeing so many Ghost Adventure episodes, I believe we saw an anomaly. What happens next is the most ridiculous fight we've ever collectively had as a group. <laughs> it started with an argument about the camera and then it exploited into pointless yelling and anger. My one friend left the room and I followed her out, leaving my sister and my other friend behind. Leaving that room was an insane difference of energy. We sat outside for a while before going back, and once we were back, it was calmer and almost as if none of us knew why we were all fighting. I think what was ever was in that room caused the negative energy around us and it affected us in a way we can't explain. Now, we were yelling at each other so loudly that night, and my parents were in the room right next to us and heard none of it. Absolutely no noise, no yelling. I asked multiple times why they didn't check on us because no one had, and they said it's because they had no reason to. Weird, right? After a couple of years later, my dad went to the lake with two friends and they stayed at the inn. When they were sleeping, my dad's friend said that he felt someone leaning on the edge of his bed. Thinking it was my dad, he dismissed it at first, but when he looked at my dad, he was dead asleep in the other bed. The next morning, his other friend in a different room was in the bathroom and heard someone cough right next to him, and no one else was in that room. My dad's friend was so freaked out that he slept in his truck the next night. The last incident and most recent of a haunting I have heard was from my sister, who went with our parents and her boyfriend for a weekend and, of course, stayed at the same inn. They stayed in what she believes is the same room we stayed in in 2010, and her boyfriend, her and her boyfriend stayed in a separate room from my parents. That night, my sister wasn't able to sleep. She was filled with unexplained fear and kept hearing people yelling. It sounded as if they were right outside the door. She went outside, and no one was around. When they had all got there in the daytime, there was this bench underneath some stairs, and on that bench was an elderly woman who didn't move. My sister and her boyfriend both saw this woman, and when they left, she was still there. The weird part about that detail is my mom didn't see anyone both times they passed the bench. <laughs> there appears to be multiple ghost stories at Elephant Butte Inn, and for some reason there's never been a paranormal investigation there. Well, when I have time, Caitlin, don't you worry. Um, <laughs> I always wonder if ghosts are, if there are ghosts of people who died in the lake and never got to go home, or if there's a dark history to the building that I've never heard of. Whenever I try researching stories of the inn and possible hauntings of the lake, I find nothing. But when you search death, there are plenty. Thank you so much for reading, and Sydney probably only already knows this because this is the one I tell to literally everyone. Here's a link to the <laughs> article I was talking about about the dead bodies. I hope this is podcast worthy, your friend Caitlin. Of course it is. It is. Yes, I love does. that she sends a link. Here's the link of dead bodies. I'm like, oh, perfect. Hell yes. <laughs> He's the best. We, uh, a couple of years ago, the four of us drove down to Carlsbad Caverns and uh, it was my fault, but we went the long way. And she told me, I don't think she told me all three of those stories, but she did tell me a bit about like her experiences at Elephant Butte and it was crazy. So I'm so glad she... She submitted. Thank you, Caitlin. You're the bomb. You're the bomb. Oh my god, I love this website. Are there dead bodies and giant catfish in Elephant Butte? <laughs> Answered question. Oh, thank god. Um, I'm definitely going to spend some time We'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. But first, the weather. <laughs> so that's what I have. Happy Spooky Tuesday, bitches. Happy Spooky Tuesday. Excellent work. If you want to submit your Spooky Tuesday story, please send us your emails of your spooky stories at two, the friends of folklore at gmail.com. You can at also two. like at two. You could also um 
DM them to us on our yeah on um, Twitter, social media, um, Facebook. Somebody sent us a Facebook message one time, and I was like, it took me twenty minutes to figure out, but once I did, I have it down. Yeah, Um, I don't understand Twitter. Twitter freaks me out. Um, I'm learning, but I'm not good at it. But quite alright. Yes, you can find us at the Friends of Folklore or at our handle, which is Friends of Folklore. Um, anything else you got, Abs? No, we really do appreciate you guys being a friend of folklore. Um, we just hit over 600 listens and we're already almost to 700. It's super insane. It's been like a week and we just really appreciate the love. Please share with your friends. It really, really helps get, you know, that word of mouth. And, um, Um, please rate and review on Apple podcast. Yes. Oh, and we're doing a new thing. Um, it didn't, no one guessed it, but we're doing a new thing where if on our sneak peek Saturday, if you're the first person to guess correctly what our next week's um, topic is going to be, the week after that, because we've already, we've already recorded by the time we do sneak peek Saturday, um, we will say your name or your Instagram handle or whatever you prefer on the episode. You do a little shout out. So, uh, yeah, get to guessing. I need water. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.